the prince who lost his shadow. The king of a kingdom died suddenly, leaving only an only son, Prince Pio. He became next king. But before Prince Pio could do this, he lost his one and only shadow. Prince Pio had a stepmother, the queen, and although Prince Pio didn't know it, this stepmother was a witch. The witch had a black cat named Malkin, and although Prince Pio didn't know it, this black cat was his stepmother's companion. The day after the old king was buried, the queen whipped Malkin and sent her running wittershins around the church. Wittershins means the way the sun would go if it went backwards. Witches are fond of this way, for it brings natural laws into disorder and helps them to work bad magic. Quick, Pio, the queen shouted as if she were panic-stricken. Catch Malkin! It is forbidden for a cat to go running around a church. So Prince Pio, who was well brought up and therefore obedient, ran around the church after Malkin. And he was in such a hurry that he never noticed that he was running Wittershins, which is, very which is a very dangerous way to run, for then your shadow falls behind you. Now, if a witch can step on your shadow while you are running Wittershins around a church, she can tug it right away from you. And this is exactly what the queen did with Prince Pio's shadow, so that when he came back to her with Malkin spitting and scratching and cursing in his arms, he was without his one and only shadow. Alas and alack, my son, cried the queen, making her eyes big and round as if with alarm. What have you been doing? You have lost your one and only shadow. Prince Pio felt all over himself and looked all around for his shadow, but of course he could not find it, for the witch had folded it up as small and neat as a postage stamp and was holding it hidden in her palm. I feel just the same, he said. Does it matter? Matter, she cried. Of course it matters. By our old Celtic law, a king must be perfect in every part. So you can't become king if you have no shadow. Go and search for it. I will look after the kingdom while you are away. If I am going hunting, I had better be dressed for hunting, thought Prince Pio. So he put on thick brown leather hunting boots and a thick old green leather hunting jacket and set off to find his one and only shadow. His shadow was, in fact, gripped between Malkin's teeth as she flew through the air on her way to an Arabian sorcerer who had lived in a castle on an island far across the sea. The sorcerer and the queen had a wicked plan to steal Prince Pio's kingdom for themselves, and getting hold of his shadow was the first step. Meanwhile, Prince Pio went on walking till he reached the sea, which stopped him walking any further. The sun was just going down. The seashore was deserted, except for one old fisherman, who was painting a big, bold blue eye on the front of his little white boat. His green jersey, patched all over, had a hole under the right arm. Prides of lions, be in your path, he greeted Prince Pio. In their kingdom, that was the polite way to greet a hunter. And shoals of fishes in yours, Prince Pio greeted him back. In their kingdom, that was the polite way to return a fisherman's greeting. This would be a fine jersey, said the fisherman, straightening up, if only it had a patch under this arm. I don't suppose you have a spare patch, do you? Only pockets made from patches, said the prince. Take one, you are welcome to it. The old fisherman pulled off one of Prince Pio's patch pockets and held it over the hole under his arm. It melted into the jersey as if it belonged. 
Ah, said the old fisherman gleefully, now I can give my boat's weather eye such a bright blue iris that she will be able to find her own way wherever she has to go. Could she find her way to my shadow? asked Prince Pio. Did you notice I had lost it? I did. She could, she shall, said the fisherman. He licked his brush to a fine point and dipped it in black paint. He painted the last curled eyelash and stepped back to admire it. Then he washed his brush in a rock pool and dried it on the princely patch under his arm. Jump in, curl up, and go to sleep, he said. With her weather eye open, my boat can travel both in daylight and by starlight, as sure and straight as a bird. And when she gets there, wherever there is, Prince Pio asked. Pull her up on dry land and turn her weather eye seaward, the old fisherman said. There she will wait like a faithful old dog to bring you and your shadow home. Aye, and more than your shadow, if what my new patch whispers turns out to be true. Prince Pio, being well brought up and therefore obedient, jumped in, curled up, and went to sleep. He did not wake as the boat rocked over the waves behind its bright blue weather eye. He did not wake when dusk fell. He did not wake when dusk deepened into dark. He did not wake till the prow jarred on a shingle beach. Then he opened his eyes to see, high above him, a lighted castle jutting on a black and silver sky and blotting out the stars. Well, thought Prince Pio, here I am. I know not where nor how to, I am to find my shadow. In wherever it is I am. Still, kill or cure, end or mend, up to this castle I must wend. He pulled the boat up on the dry land and turned her weather eye seaward. Up, up, up through the night he climbed over shingle and rocks to the tall castle, and scarcely had he reached its torch-lit courtyard when two red lights like balls of fire rushed down out of the sky towards him. As he hid in the shadows, the lights turned into cat's eyes, and then who should land neatly on all four black feet in that torch-lit courtyard but Malkin? And who should step lightly down from Malkin's back but Prince Pio's stepmother, very queenly in her scarlet mantle and her golden crown. Now Prince Pio was a dear, good, simple soul who never thought bad things about anyone. So although their method, method of air travel made him scratch his head, he was just about to greet his stepmother warmly when the door of the castle swung open and out stalked the Arabian sorcerer, tall and gaunt in his long black gown. His bald skull enclosed in a round black cap studded with gems to welcome her. And his stepmother's first words made Prince Pio think twice about shouting out. Have you fastened my stepson's shadow to his puppet? she asked. I have, the sorcerer nodded. And are they both being looked after by a pure and noble captive girl? she asked again. Again, the sorcerer nodded. All I need is your help, he said to bring the puppet to life. Then we can send it out at once to do such bad things in your stepson's name that the kingdom will be glad for us to rule it. The queen lifted her head and sniffed the air. By the pricking of my thumbs, she said, he is already on his way here. So let's go inside and blast him to death with a whirlwind. They went into the castle, Malkin slinking between them, and the door closed with a clang behind but almost at once it burst open, and with a terrible shrieking, a whirlwind tore across the courtyard, 
blowing the torches into writhing ribbons of fire and plunging down into the sea. In the dark, Prince Pio could hear the roar of the churning waves as they piled up into mountains, then dashed themselves to foam on the rocks below. If he'd been out in that lashing, crashing sea, he would certainly never have lived to tell the tale. Then suddenly, above the tumult, tumult, he heard a sweet voice singing, and the fury of the storm and the whirlwind died gently away. As if by magic, the full moon stood clear and bright in heaven. As if by magic, the sea slept peacefully beneath its light. Seals lay on the rocks, enraptured by the singing, and fishes lifted their heads from the still water, mouths open with delight. Prince Pio stepped around the castle till. Craning his head backward, he saw far above the lighted window from which the singing came. Leaning from it, framed in its light, were the head and shoulders of a girl. Hand over hand and foot over above foot, he climbed the stout ivy up the castle wall till he reached the open casement window. Oh, the girl cried, you are safe, you are safe, Prince Pio. The whirlwind did not blast you. She drew him into the room. I am foul, she told him. The sorcerer holds me captive, for the presence of a girl gives power to his spells. But, as you just saw, where I can, I work to undo his evil enchantments. But why have you never climbed down the ivy and escaped, he cried. There was no boat, she said. Witches and sorcerers has, have swifter ways of traveling. There is a boat now, he whispered, taking her hand. Then suddenly remembering, he exclaimed, you called me by name. How did you know? Come and see, she said, taking up the silver lamp. Taking up the silver lamp, lit the room. Fowl led Prince Pio to a shadowy corner. He jumped when he saw what the light revealed, for there asleep on a small bed lay himself. And yet as he stared, he shuddered. Am I really like that, he gasped. It is a most lying likeness, Thou comforted him, comforted him, for all that is good in you has here been turned to evil, and yet it still looks like you. That is how I knew you were Prince Pio, for I heard the sorcerer chant your name when he fastened your shadow to your puppet. I've come for my shadow, he told her. If I don't get it back before my stepmother and the sorcerer bring this puppet to life, a lot of evil things will happen in the world. I will help you, said Fowl. She held the lamp so that the prince's lost shadow slid away from the puppet till it was fastened only at his feet. Pull, pull hard, she cried. Prince Pio gasped, grasped his shadow and pulled hard. It stood firm, but then all at once it quivered. It tore free and leaped to him and was his own again. And as this happened, the shape and the features of the puppet melted like mist, and on the bed lay only a formless block of wood. Fao and Prince Pio could hear voices coming from the spiral staircase that led up to Fao's tower. The sorcerer and the queen were coming. They're coming to bring the puppet to life, Fao whispered. Quick or we shall be too late. She blew out the lamp and they went head first out of the casement window and down the ivy like lightning. They were running hand in hand from the courtyard towards the beach when a tornado burst out of the castle and tossed them into the air like straws. They're raising a new whirlwind against us, gasped Fow. I must send it back to them. And again, most sweetly, she began to sing. The whirlwind dropped them to the ground. 
and whirled its way back to the castle. As they picked each other up and ran, they heard it batter down the doors. From the inner halls, they heard clap after clap of thunder. Together, they pushed the boat down the beach to the edge of the tide and jumped in. Winking its weather eye, the boat skimmed off like a gull across quiet water. Looking back at the tall castle looming in the moonlight, they saw the courtyard torches spin and dive in the blasts of the whirlwind. They saw the broken walls gaping with holes. They saw flames that shot sky high. Then the castle tottered and crashed among the flames with a mighty bang that shook the island. But King Pio, King Pio, under a sky growing pale with the coming dawn, was safe in the boat. He smiled as he swiftly and joyfully took his new queen and his shadow home. The Prince Who Lost His Shadow The king of a kingdom died suddenly, leaving only an only son, Prince Pio. He became next king. But before Prince Pio could do this, he lost his one and only shadow. Prince Pio had a stepmother, the queen, and although Prince Pio didn't know it, this stepmother was a witch. The witch had a black cat named Malkin, and although Prince Pio didn't know it, this black cat was his stepmother's companion. The day after the old king was buried, the queen whipped Malkin and sent her running wittershins around the church. Wittershins means the way the sun would go if it went backwards. Witches are fond of this way, for it brings natural laws into disorder and helps them to work bad magic. Quick, Pio, the queen shouted as if she were panic-stricken. Catch Malkin. It is forbidden for a cat to go running around a church. So Prince Pio, who was well brought up and therefore obedient, ran around the church after Malkin. And he was in such a hurry that he never noticed that he was running Wittershins, which is, very which is a very dangerous way to run, for then your shadow falls behind you. Now, if a witch can step on your shadow while you are running Wittershins around a church, she can tug it right away from you. And this is exactly what the queen did with Prince Pio's shadow. So that when he came back to her with Malkin spitting and scratching and cursing in his arms, he was without his one and only shadow. Alas and alack, my son, cried the queen, making her eyes big and round as if with alarm. What have you been doing? You have lost your one and only shadow. Prince Pio felt all over himself and looked all around for his shadow, but of course he could not find it, for the witch had folded it up as small and neat as a postage stamp and was holding it hidden in her palm. I feel just the same, he said. Does it matter? Matter, she cried. Of course it matters. By our old Celtic law, a king must be perfect in every part. So you can't become king if you have no shadow. Go and search for it. I will look after the kingdom while you are away. If I am going hunting, I had better be dressed for hunting, thought Prince Pio. So he put on thick brown leather hunting boots and a thick old green leather hunting jacket and set off to find his one and only shadow. His shadow was, in fact, gripped between Malkin's teeth as she flew through the air on her way to an Arabian sorcerer who had lived in a castle on an island far across the sea. The sorcerer and the queen had a wicked plan to steal Prince Pio's kingdom for themselves, and getting hold of his shadow was the first step. Meanwhile, Prince Pio went on walking till he reached the sea, which stopped him walking any further. 
the sun was just going down. The seashore was deserted, except for one old fisherman who was painting a big, bold blue eye on the front of his little white boat. His green jersey, patched all over, had a hole under the right arm. Prides of lions, be in your path, he greeted Prince Pio. In their kingdom, that was the polite way to greet a hunter. And shoals of fishes in yours, Prince Pio greeted him back. In their kingdom, that was the polite way to return a fisherman's greeting. This would be a fine jersey, said the fisherman, straightening up, if only it had a patch under this arm. I don't suppose you have a spare patch, do you? Only pockets made from patches, said the prince. Take one, you are welcome to it. The old fisherman pulled off one of Prince Pio's patch pockets and held it over the hole under his arm. It melted into the jersey as if it belonged. Ah, said the old fisherman gleefully, now I can give my boat's weather eye such a bright blue iris that she will be able to find her own way wherever she has to go. Could she find her way to my shadow? asked Prince Pio. Did you notice I had lost it? I did. She could, she shall, said the fisherman. He licked his brush to a fine point and dipped it in black paint. He painted the last curled eyelash and stepped back to admire it. Then he washed his brush in a rock pool and dried it on the princely patch under his arm. Jump in, curl up, and go to sleep, he said. With her weather eye open, my boat can travel both in daylight and by starlight, as sure and straight as a bird. And when she gets there, wherever there is, Prince Pio asked. Pull her up on dry land and turn her weather eye seaward, the old fisherman said. There she will wait like a faithful old dog to bring you and your shadow home. Aye, and more than your shadow, if what my new patch whispers turns out to be true. Prince Pio, being well brought up and therefore obedient, jumped in, curled up, and went to sleep. He did not wake as the boat rocked over the waves behind its bright blue weather eye. He did not wake when dusk fell. He did not wake when dusk deepened into dark. He did not wake till the prow jarred on a shingle beach. Then he opened his eyes to see, high above him, a lighted castle jutting on a black and silver sky and blotting out the stars. Well, thought Prince Pio, here I am. I know not where nor how to, I am to find my shadow. In wherever it is, I am. Still, kill or cure, end or mend, up to this castle I must wend. He pulled the boat up on the dry land and turned her weather eye seaward. Up, up, up through the night he climbed over shingle and rocks to the tall castle, and scarcely had he reached its torch-lit courtyard when two red lights like balls of fire rushed down out of the sky towards him. As he hid in the shadows, the lights turned into cat's eyes, and then who should land neatly on all four black feet in that torch-lit courtyard? But Malkin. And who should step lightly down from Malkin's back but Prince Pio's stepmother, very queenly in her scarlet mantle and her golden crown. Now Prince Pio was a dear, good, simple soul who never thought bad things about anyone. So although their method, method of air travel made him scratch his head, he was just about to greet his stepmother warmly when the door of the castle swung open and out stalked the Arabian sorcerer, tall and gaunt in his long black gown. His bald skull enclosed in a round black cap studded with gems to welcome her, and his stepmother's 
first words made Prince Pio think twice about shouting out. Have you fastened my stepson's shadow to his puppet? She asked. I have, the sorcerer nodded. And are they both being looked after by a pure and noble captive girl? She asked again. Again, the sorcerer nodded. All I need is your help, he said, to bring the puppet to life. Then we can send it out at once to do such bad things in your stepson's name that the kingdom will be glad for us to rule it. The queen lifted her head and sniffed the air. By the pricking of my thumbs, she said, he is already on his way here. So let's go inside and blast him to death with a whirlwind. They went into the castle, Malkin slinking between them, and the door closed with a clang behind. But almost at once it burst open, and with a terrible shrieking, a whirlwind tore across the courtyard, blowing the torches into writhing ribbons of fire and plunging down into the sea. In the dark, Prince Pio could hear the roar of the churning waves as they piled up into mountains, then dashed themselves to foam on the rocks below. If he'd been out in that lashing, crashing sea, he would certainly never have lived to tell the tale. Then suddenly, above the tumult, he heard a sweet voice singing, and the fury of the storm and the whirlwind died gently away. As if by magic, the full moon stood clear and bright in heaven. As if by magic, the sea slept peacefully beneath its light. Seals lay on the rocks, enraptured by the singing. And fishes lifted their heads from the still water, mouths open with delight. Prince Pio stepped around the castle till. Craning his head backward, he saw far above the lighted window from which the singing came. Leaning from it, framed in its light, were the head and shoulders of a girl. Hand over hand and foot over above foot, he climbed the stout ivy up the castle wall till he reached the open casement window. Oh, the girl cried, you are safe, you are safe, Prince Pio. The whirlwind did not blast you. She drew him into the room. I am foul, she told him. The sorcerer holds me captive, for the presence of a girl gives power to his spells. But, as you just saw, where I can, I work to undo his evil enchantments. But why have you never climbed down the ivy and escaped, he cried. There was no boat, she said. Witches and sorcerers has, have swifter ways of traveling. There is a boat now, he whispered, taking her hand. Then suddenly remembering, he exclaimed, You called me by name. How did you know? Come and see, she said taking up the silver lamp taking up the silver lamp lit the room fowl led prince pio to a shadowy corner he jumped when he saw what the light revealed for there asleep on a small bed lay himself and yet as he stared he shuddered am i really like that he gasped it is a most lying likeness fowl comforted him comforted him for all that is good in you has here been turned to evil, and yet it still looks like you. That is how I knew you were Prince Pio, for I heard the sorcerer chant your name when he fastened your shadow to your puppet. I've come for my shadow, he told her. If I don't get it back before my stepmother and the sorcerer bring this puppet to life, a lot of evil things will happen in the world. I will help you, said Fowl. She held the lamp so that the prince's lost shadow slid away from the puppet till it was fastened only at his feet. Pull, pull hard, she cried. Prince Pio gasped 
grasped his shadow and pulled hard. It stood firm, but then all at once it quivered. It tore free and leaped to him and was his own again. And as this happened, the shape and the features of the puppet melted like mist, and on the bed lay only a formless block of wood. Fao and Prince Pio could hear voices coming from the spiral staircase that led up to Fao's tower. The sorcerer and the queen were coming. They're coming to bring the puppet to life, Fao whispered. Quick or we shall be too late. She blew out the lamp and they went head first out of the casement window and down the ivy like lightning. They were running hand in hand from the courtyard towards the beach when a tornado burst out of the castle and tossed them into the air like straws. They are raising a new whirlwind against us, gasped Fao. I must send it back to them. And again, most sweetly, she began to sing. The whirlwind dropped them to the ground and whirled its way back to the castle. As they picked each other up and ran, they heard it batter down the doors. From the inner halls, they heard clap after clap of thunder. Together, they pushed the boat down the beach to the edge of the tide and jumped in. Winking its weather eye, the boat skimmed off like a gull across quiet water. Looking back at the tall castle looming in the moonlight, they saw the courtyard torches spin and dive in the blasts of the whirlwind. They saw the broken walls gaping with holes. They saw flames that shot sky high. Then the castle tottered and crashed among the flames with a mighty bang that shook the island. But King Pio, King Pio, under a sky growing pale with the coming dawn, was safe in the boat. He smiled as he swiftly and joyfully took his new queen and his shadow 